Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 139 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hey there. And my husband Dylan's the sound recordist. Hey there. Yours is very much creepier than Andrew's. I know. Yeah, no. So if the competition is to be creepy, you're doing okay at that part. I thought we were competing to see who could say it more creepily. Uh, I thought yours was like more Southern twang. Oh, hey there, y'all. Hey there. Well, I mean, we're getting to be the end of this competition for a little while, which is to say that we're about to go on our maternity paternity leave. So is there a joint term from is it you know what? Unfortunately, I think the joint term is paternity. I think it's parental leave. Parental leave. Okay. Yeah. I think the joint term is baby vacation. Vacation. Baby party. Vacation's all I've ever wanted. (laughs) I think the correct term is baby monster coming. Obviously, we don't record these podcasts the day that they're released. So we're a little... Surprise. Surprise. So in this case, you know, last time we recorded, the world was not in civil unrest. And we just want to take a second to acknowledge um, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and to say that we support anti-racism and we support the demonstrators. And this is not a political podcast, but the thing is, to me, this isn't a political issue. This is a human rights issue. Um, So, you know, because we have the small platform we have, I just don't want to not say anything because that's saying something. Um, So I'm sure that you've seen a lot of recommendations out there, but I just wanted to, if you haven't, to throw out two that I thought were very good to start. One is the book White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. Um, If you don't want to read the book, she also has a lot of YouTube videos or articles or podcasts that talks about the idea. But I believe, and it's not people of colors, not black people's job to inform white people on how to be anti-racist. White people should learn from each other um, and acknowledge the implicit biases they have. And White Fragility is a great place to start. And another book I want to recommend is a new book, a new fiction book by Britt Bennett, who wrote The Mothers. This book is called The Vanishing Half, came out last week. Um, It's about two identical twins who are half black and half white, and one decides to, quote, pass as white. Um, and one decides to, I guess, pass as black and how their lives differ because of mm. that. Um, so that would be a sort of on the fiction realm, I would recommend. Andrew and Toby, do you have anything you guys want to recommend? I'd recommend Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, came out a while ago now, I think at least four or five years ago. Um, it blurs the line between memoir and collection of essays, um, but it is truly illuminating and really beautifully written. Yeah, I loved it too. Andrew? Just sort of cross-media, um, an author I really love is Kiese Lehman, who wrote Heavy that came out a couple of years ago, as well as Long Division, which is fiction, and How to Slowly Kill Yourselves and Others in America, uh, which is also more the essay route. I recommend reading his work. He has a incredible way of laying down complex ideas in an accessible but still like jarring way. There's a podcast I listen to called the Stadio Podcast or Stadio Podcast, um, which is about European, specifically continental soccer, but it's hosted by a black man and a white man, and they have a really frank and really excellent conversation in an episode that came out last week called Two Friends Talk About Racism and Then Football. Listening to Muso Kwango, um, who just lays down like how hard it is to be someone who has to explain things to white people over and over again um, and has to relive that pain, has to put aside the pain he's feeling to try to educate people. It was a really illuminating lesson for me. 
Uh, yeah, I, I I love it com- coming at it from the football football perspective. Yeah, I, and this is just you know the beginning of the education. It's just the beginning. We don't have all the answers by any means. We don't have barely any answers. But you know, it's a place to start. And we want to thank you as always for listening to the podcast. Just because I know that I and many other people use podcasts as a way to kind of like not disengage from the world, but you know, take a break when you need to. Um, so we want to be here for you for that, and uh, and hope. Uh, Hope we can help you through. Yeah, absolutely. And with that said, uh, I believe Andrew has a bit of an announcement. Yeah, let's let's. Is there anything big that's happened in your life recently? Yeah, like Andrew? a good break. Yeah, I mean, for something completely different, uh, <laughs> Jillian and I are now engaged. Yay! Yay! Yeah, we are fiancés officially. This past Sunday was our, um, or I guess when this episode comes out, it'll be a Sunday in the past, was our seventh anniversary. So I used the cover of already it being a sort of romantic day to uh, <laughs> set up a little cute champagne toast on the roof of our apartment building and while we were up there I proposed and I had a friend uh, Dylan Evans who also listens to the show hiding up on the roof with a camera so we have some great shots of the of the occasion so it was a nice uh it was I mean a wonderful moment and probably the best day of my life but beyond (laughs) that it was also a nice moment of uh light in this dark time and also light in this quarantine because I got to see a friend even if it was only like for elbow taps and like socially distant hang but someone who i hadn't seen in person in months so andrew i know you say this is uh one of the highlights of your life but how does it compare to when bob balaban won his first championship in nba 2k20 because <laughs> i know that's gotta be I mean, that's tough i mean the thing about bob balaban you gotta remember <laughs> is he won mvp his rookie season Whoa. which is I unheard mean, of wow yeah um and you and you know what you didn't have any photos of that, unfortunately, unless you had your buddy come over yeah. and take like over-the-shoulder shots of you looking at the screen. I mean, if you think I do not have pictures of my Switch <laughs> when he's accepting the MVP award, you crazy. Okay. Um, but also, it is the tiniest drop of sand of insignificance in comparison to the life I'm going to spend with Jillian, which I'm very excited about. Aww. Well, Fair. congratulations, Andrew. Thank you. Well, I just want to say something about this, which is I think that I don't know if this was experienced with you and Louise, Toby, but like, I feel like men are prepared for women to be like on top of the surprise and know that it's coming. Like, I know (laughs) you were worried that Jillian would see Dylan um, on the roof. And so you had a backstory for why he would be there. But I'm sure Jillian was just like in her own world. Definitely the day of my proposal, I was just like, I just want to take a shower. Why are you guys leading me over here? I mean, I think at this point you have to give a little synopsis of the Dylan and Bailey well, I'll, very it's quickly, cool. like, it involves kayaks. Yes. So we grew up on an island in Maine, and the surprise was that Dylan bought her a proposal kayak. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> it's made of diamonds. That Dylan was going to surprise me when I was out on a kayak run, kayak run, a kayak. <laughs> what's it called? Jaunt. Kayaking. Kayaking. Trip. I was out kayaking <laughs> with my mom, um, but it was a really like rainy, hurricaney day, and I didn't want to go. But she's like, "We're going." I'm like, "Okay." And I get out there, and then I guess that they were delayed in the drive up, and he was going to be on the beach. But so my mom was trying to buy time, and like we were about five minutes from home on the kayak, and she's like, "I got to pull off and use the bathroom." And I'm like, "Can I just go home? Can I meet you at home?" <laughs> and at one point, I was like, "It seems like you're trying to distract me about something, but the thing is, I." just want to shower (laughs) and anyway we get home and then the excuse ended up being Andrew saying oh I left my keys out on the beach Um, but my mom very much committed to this was like Andrew oh you always leave things (laughs) so we went out to find the keys and I was just looking for them and then there was this big tent 
set up, but it was like sort of in front of the neighbor's house. So I didn't want to bother that person. So I kept going and kept looking for the keys. And people are like, Bailey, the tent. (laughs) Most of the proposal was like me being like, Dylan, how did you get here? (laughs) I'm confused. Literally, it took me five minutes of contextualizing proposing to her. I was like, wait, back up. (laughs) But was Jillian surprised? Jillian was very surprised. And to be clear, like the the backstory that we had about Dylan being there was entirely invented by Dylan. I didn't tell him to do anything. He decided he was pretending to take pictures of the New York skyline, which you can sort of see from the roof of our building. So he was like pretending to take pictures of that and then like turning over really quickly and grabbing pictures. But Jillian truly didn't realize he was even there, Um, which was very funny. No, she was very surprised. Uh, It was a great moment and I'm very happy it happened. I'm glad too, because, you know, peek behind the curtain andrew's had these plans for a long time for a while but covid just kept slamming up against those plans so i'm glad it happened and it seemed like it worked out perfectly so congratulations to both of you guys thank you all right so that takes us to our episode our regularly scheduled program toby you had a book chosen at random from your shelf this book was written by you no it was written by another toby so toby what book did you read i read sharp teeth by toby barlow sharp sharp Sharp, sharp. Woof, woof. Sharp Teeth by Toby Barlow tells the story of three packs of werewolves living, working, and warring undercover in Los Angeles. Using free verse poetry to great effect, Barlow manages to create a visceral crime drama at the same time as he uses the lyricism of the form to explore deep human themes. Ooh. Um, So if you guys remember a couple episodes ago, I told you that I had forgotten I put this book on my Goodreads. Uh, It was a very long time ago. I think it was one of the first books I ever put on Goodreads as a want to read. Um, And it's about werewolves, although they're more like were dogs. They're not like they're not like typical werewolves. What do you mean? Okay, so they don't they can control their change and they don't change into like giant were beasts. They turn into like dogs so much so that you like you could put them in the like some of them spend time in the pound and they like go into hiding as like people's pets do they eat people yes (gasps) it's gross (laughs) it's very intense (laughs) one of the first big thoughts i had when i first started this book i was impressed and i really enjoyed at just how big of a swing this is just saying the phrase werewolf book in free verse poetry it's just a huge stylistic choice and i really just I was happy that someone did it. And then, honestly, he pulls it off. It is very well written. It is very cool. The poetry is very beautiful. And and honestly, it's very cool that someone can take this big of a swing and and do it. I'm going to read you an excerpt. I mean, there's no way to read free verse poetry without sounding kind of kooky. So please snap your fingers and yeah, like, take a lot of home, pauses. Everyone at home just like quaff a glass of red wine right now. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. <laughs> um... As she stared at the ceiling that first night, her body softly falling back into itself, she thought of how we dream of journeying on spaceships to other universes, other worlds. But really, for the forever, we're stuck here on the dirt, and the only time we will travel anywhere truly unknowable is when we slip into the skin of another, venturing into their mysteries, always hoping for a safe landing. Thank you for your snaps, you at home. I mean, that'll give you a little taste of the flavor, you know, like uh, it is free verse poetry and I, I enjoy it. I think he, he's a really good writer. Speaking of, like a little bit directly about the plot, like I said, like they're not like traditional werewolves. The word, the word werewolves is never used. It's more like people who 
can turn into dogs and they're like pretty brutal uh, and they can kind of transmit this ability to other people via uh, it's not really defined how they do it but they can give it to other people if they want they these people tend to live together in these extremely tight-knit packs so if you become one you kind of abandon your life and you only hang out with other werewolves <laughs> uh, and so and so there's not very many of them but they're kind of like criminal enterprises that are uh, kind of undercover in los angeles it reminded me a lot of the kind of hyperdrive crime movies of the early 2000s that i watched a lot of when i was like in high school reminded me of Boz lerman's romeo plus juliet <laughs> uh guy ritchie's snatch a little bit of training day it's got that kind of gritty city living crime drama to it that's really really fun it's a by the numbers crime story in that way where you've got outsized characters super crazy amounts of violence and blood um, and a mystery driving you forward and that's really cool. It's, and then on the other side of it is the poetry side of it. There's a love story and there's a lot of kind of longing and sadness. And so just to see these two genres kind of mashed together is really enjoyable. And every once in a while, I think there's a little bit of a grinding of gears. But for the most part, it's they uh, Toby Barlow really pulls it off. Awesome. Yeah. So how can you not mention Underworld when talking about early 2000s action movies? But it's not like Underworld. Underworld is like... That one's about vampires still. This is about <laughs> vampires. Versus werewolves. There are Versus... lichens in Underworld. Guys, I've never seen Underworld. <laughs> Michael Sheen is a werewolf. <laughs> I'm glad, you know what? I'm glad you bring that up because that, that's actually a really good point. This is not at all like Underworld. Oh. So it's like... <laughs> so that kind of... Um, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think is this un- a bad time to say I've never seen Underworld? <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I haven't either. It's always a bad and time to say. And I'm not really familiar with I what just, it's about. I just love that you said it's not at all and don't was like oh (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a cheaper lamer version of this book uh that is like the kind of urban fantasy like oh it's werewolves but they live in la whoa you know like Mm. this is definitely something deeper and more artistic than that not to throw any shade at underworld underworld knows what it is and other other (laughs) there's six underworld movies okay you don't make six underworld movies. each one better than the last (laughs) each one further under than the last um but yeah but this one this one definitely like like i said big swing because it's not that it's like trying to be artistic and really get up there with the poetry and and it pulls it off so i'm glad you brought that up dylan because you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give it four stars i'm gonna keep it on my shelf awesome no i'm not because i rented it from the library but i'm gonna keep it on my mental shelf <laughs> library and you can't stop me <laughs> that's so, awesome yeah, that's what uh sharp teeth toby barlow four stars nice excellent i mean that's i'm how... glad to hear that it seems like such a thing that could have been so awful oh yeah i mean when i when i looked up the details of it when i got home after you guys announced it i was like uh-oh oh no <laughs> and, and because it's in free verse poetry like it, it's long like the book is like 400 something pages that go by really quick but i was like oh my god 400 pages of free verse poetry oh uh, but I, I really enjoyed it is it bad that when I read the when I was picking it and I read the Goodreads summary where it's like it follows a pack of werewolves in Los Angeles, I thought it was like oh like what we do in the shadows. Hmm. That's not bad. Yeah, I I'd say that's honestly closer than Underworld. Look, <laughs> Dylan, I know you want it to be Underworld, but I think I'm you want sure it to be the novelization of the film Underworld. <laughs> Dylan's gonna take this t- this parental leave to work on his novelization of the film Underworld. <laughs> Is Underworld a book? 
Like, does it come from anything? Or is it just a movie? Underwells, chapter one. No, no, I I think it comes from, who's his face's comic book? Mind. Paul. Oh, no, Len Wiseman. I'm not going down this road. (laughs) It's Paul Giamatti's mind. (laughs) From the twisted mind of Paul Giamatti. Bill Nye's in it. Michael Sheen, Kate yeah. Beckinsale. You're not going to convince me to watch this movie. Scott Speedman. Scott Speedman doesn't <laughs> oh, push it over. Oh, wait. Scott Speedman? <laughs> yeah. You should watch the first one. The first one is fun. The first one is dumb as hell. <laughs> All right. Well, Andrew, do you have any facts on Toby Barlow? I just want to say before we get into this, I'm sorry, Toby Barlow, if there is some well of information about you that I could not find. Here's the thing. Toby Barlow has written two books. He does not have a Wikipedia page. He's an advertising executive. What? That's that's what he does. Okay, so here you go. Toby Barlow is an advertising executive and author of two books, Sharp Teeth and Baba Yaga. From all I can tell, he lives in Detroit because he runs a company called Lafayette American, which is a creative and strategy agency, who, if you go to their website, have a statement about COVID-19 um, <laughs> and also offer a free uh, coloring book of monsters that you can download and print. So that's actually kind of cool. This is starting to sound like we hired Andrew as a private investigator and he really, <laughs> like, he just blew the paycheck on something stupid. And now he's like, oh, uh, he has a anyway. webpage. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm assuming he still lives in Detroit because that company is uh, is Detroit based. Uh, he's the chief creative officer. If I had to guess, I couldn't find his birthday anywhere. He looks if about I 58. <laughs> Looks like he was born in June. I'm gonna guess that he's younger. I yeah, think we're he... looking at a picture of him right now. I'm gonna say. But are he's you looking more at like... his picture on Lafayette American? Yes. Yeah. How old, How old did you say? I said 58. I'm gonna... Oh, I'm gonna say like early 50s. I'm gonna say 52. Yeah. I'm but just I... saying. You, All right, Dylan. You, you pick a picture that looks good for your headshot on your company website. That's true. He's yeah. probably six years older than that picture. If you're listening to this, Toby Barlow, I bet you're way more haggard in real life. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> don't have a lot of verifiable personal information from him from like a source but i do have a couple of interviews with him so i do have his own words describing what he was trying to do with sharp teeth and a few things about his preferences so do you want to hear that only if they're in free verse poetry yeah there is some free verse poetry in this oh okay then hit me with it the majority of this info comes from an interview with mother jones uh Mm. which you can find if you search toby barlow uh and mother jones i have this weird thing about dogs now the next time a dog humps my leg, I'm going to have sexual thoughts because of your book. <laughs> what? That's something on the interviewer's part, by the way. Having read this book, that's all the interviewer. <laughs> uh, Toby Barlow responds, I was just going on a walk around a lake here in Minneapolis. He used to live in Minneapolis. Now he lives in Detroit. Uh, <laughs> I was just going on a walk around a lake here in Minneapolis, and I find myself making eye contact with all the dogs in a slightly deeper fashion than I used to. Uh-oh. Mother Jones asked, so writing this book changed your relationship with dogs as well? Uh, Toby says, yes, in a pretty scary manner. I was always sort of a dog person. I had pets growing up and stuff, but when you write a whole novel about them, you become part of their community. Now the, we get into the actual like, questions about the book that make more sense. Wait, what's a, <laughs> what Jones, dog community? There's a dog community. Like Silver Lake dogs. Like people who walk dogs or like the dogs themselves? The dogs themselves, having read the I book. I think he's yeah. saying the dogs themselves, and I think we can... It, He's going to answer something that might help. Okay, okay. Uh, Mother Jones asks, Let me ask you about the parallels between dog and human relationships. I was craving some of the intimacy the dogs had in the book, the sense of belonging to the pack. Toby says, 
I think human beings have all these tools for social connection, which they sh which should bring us together, but instead causes all sort of confusion and discombobulation. With dogs, they're either fighting or they're falling asleep on one another's necks. It's a much simpler form of community that they've come up with. I agree, people are oftentimes very self-congratulatory about the civilization we've built around us, when in fact, lying at our feet are much simpler and more satisfied societies. Mother Jones asks about the free verse. They say, the book's free verse forced a rhythm and gave it a romantic connotation right away. I don't know if that's what you're aiming at. Toby Barlow says, I was aiming at a mood. I wanted it to be a little dark and a little strange and a little bit driving, and I don't think people are used to reading verse as a tool for driving narrative, but I found it really helped that way. So that, to me, was the aha, the discovery of the book. If you use fewer words, which is what verse does, you can speed things along in a really propelling fashion. That was the biggest surprise. On a couple of blogs I've seen, people have talked about it as gimmicky. I was talking to a friend yesterday, I worked in advertising, and he works in advertising, and he said, you know, if you came to us and said that you wanted to publish a book and sell a lot of copies, as an advertising and marketing professional, we would probably suggest that you not use a format that went out of fashion a thousand years before Christ died. So the idea that this is some sort of marketing ploy is entirely laughable as far as I'm concerned, but it was just fun to play with. That um, is funny that he's an advertising person that made something that's kind of unsellable. Yeah. yeah. I will say... Um, it, it work in my in my opinion. It definitely works. There is an energy and a drive and a sparseness to the story that both really works for this material because it's kind of this like crime, you know, like ooh, people are supposed to be hardcore and like they barely say anything and um, and it really moves the for story forward and yeah, it gives them an opportunity to kind of lull you to sleep and then hit you with some, some yeah. good lines. He was asked if there's anything else he wants to talk about, which I thought was the funniest question I've ever seen in an interview. <laughs> the question was literally, is there anything we haven't talked about you want to say? Um, and he brought up that he's a Quaker and there's sort of a fundamental disconnect between the violence of the book and the fact that Quakerism is a very pa like pacifist-centric religion. Yeah. And so he, 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 he calls that out and he says... One thing I've been thinking about recently was that I was raised a Quaker and I went to Quaker summer camp and Quaker schools. And some people are going, it's kind of weird that a Quaker would go and write such an ultra-violent book. And I was raised under the philosophy of tough Quakerism and that it takes a lot of strength and a lot of understanding of violence to be a pacifist. So to me, it makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I guess well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, they have were werewolves that kill people and then eat them to get rid of the, rid of the body. So I found an interview with thriveglobal.com, which is more <laughs> about his sort of process as an advertising exec but he had an interesting uh piece of advice if you need help falling asleep at night they ask tell us about a small change you've made in your life to improve your, improve your sleep what did you do how long did it take until it became effective and how did you sustain this habit i need to read until i see an impactful thought scene story or something i can mull over as i go to sleep i started doing this about a decade or so ago <laughs> that's all that's all he gives you but i think that was an interesting idea so instead of trying to like block yourself into like i need to read 40 pages before i go to sleep or i need to just read until i fall asleep just like find that one thing you can sort of think about but what if yeah. you can't find anything that you have to mull over what if everything's well, straightforward sleep. speaking of books that have nothing to mull over bailey oh you don't know that that's gonna be my review that's toby true. i do want to say uh, I like the idea that that place that interviewed him asked that question of everyone. So, <laughs> enough about advertising. How do you sleep? <laughs> That's my real question. Welcome to National Sleep Monthly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Sharp Teeth by Toby Barlow. Four stars. Great facts, even though he's a mystery and clearly also a werewolf. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's canon. Yeah. So, my book this week <laughs> is great literature. 
Speaking uh, of the canon. <laughs> Speaking I, of the canon. You know what's funny? I will say, like, we don't really engineer it, but since we have a lot of, like, classics on our lists, I think a lot of the times at least we usually have one giant book, like, per episode. You know, either a modern one or a classic. These might be two of the most obscure books we have on the entire to-read list. I agree. This is going to be an interesting episode. We'll see who the real fans are. Yeah. <laughs> so, <sighs> Okay. I am looking at Clay and grin at me right now. I'm holding up the book as if I'm presenting it like to the <laughs> class as a book report. All right. I read Clay Aiken, Learning to Sing, Hearing the Music in Your Life by Clay Aiken and Alison Glock. It also says at the bottom, an inspirational memoir, just in case that you weren't sure that it is inspirational because it says it on the cover. Also, the picture, I, I think he has a clip on tie. Toby says no. But his tie is definitely awkward. Yeah, his tie is brilliant. Uh, it's I, a huge knot. I've, I looked up the yeah. cover when I was doing the research. It's remarkable. Yeah. For um, the listeners at home, Clay is like, he's like looking at you kind of impishly. He's got like his hand on his cheekbone. And yeah, he's got his, his hair, like a lot of gel going on. Yep. Um, it's also very early 2000s. Mm. He has a WWJD um, bracelet on. Oh, wow. um, prominently um, and yes the hair gel everything about it screams early 2000s <laughs> yes but don't worry there's a back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on the back it's more of a sultry look i would say i'd say he looks like he's going to the eighth grade dance <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say ron weasley going to a junior prom <laughs> yeah oh clay okay it's gonna be i i feel a little bad it's gonna be hard to not do this without making fun of clay aiken but i feel like that's what that's what you guys want from me well first off how did you get this book i got this book because listener kate sent us four books one for each of us uh, for last april fool's day and she said haha now you have more on your to read list so i think she said she got it from the dollar bin at the dump um, at the, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You have to wait. pay for things at the dump? At the dump? Or at like Since the Since when did, can the store? dump charge money? Maybe she just got it. Okay. Books. That's not, I've been to the dump many times. That's not how the dump works. Yeah, what do you think? The dump is Toby's Barnes & Noble. <laughs> I like to imagine Kate just like at the at the dump, like picking stuff out and throwing dollars like into the dump. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she just got it from the dump. Maybe it was free. But I like to think... That Still was... not how the dump works. You don't take things out of the dump. Yes, you do. To be fair, the dump we grew up with, Toby, there was a little shack that was full oh, of books. Okay. And you could take them for free. Ah, where okay, I got a lot of um, Peanuts cartoons, Garfield cartoons, Once a Calvin and Hobbes. Ooh. Basically just good for cartoon books. Yeah. Okay. Well. Wait, so you were picturing like going to a pile of garbage and picking yeah, it up? <laughs> like I, I worked construction for a couple of years when I was like in high school and the dump that I would drop stuff off at, you wouldn't want to take nothing out of that dump. It's gross. Mm. Well, this one is a little shack in, in, in Maine. Um, yeah, to be fair, it was steps away from an incinerating hole that you threw your household garbage in. So there was still your regular dump part. Okay. So... How to describe learning to sing, hearing the music in your life by Clay Aiken, Allison McClock. Um, an inspirational memoir. An inspirational memoir. Um, <laughs> so this book was written, um, I think, I'm not exactly sure of the timeline because I'm not a huge American Idol fan, but it seems like it was written like a year or two after American Idol, like when he is at his peak. I think it came out a year and a half after his, okay. his, his triumph or not. 
Well, I mean, remind me of his story on. Did he? He didn't win, right? He got second Wait place. Wait until the, the facts research. Okay, <laughs> sorry. He he came in second to Ruben Stoddard, but he is the he was like the more famous of the two. Like he ended yeah. up being more famous. With that said, I've read this book. I don't think I can name you one Clay Aiken song. Measure no. of a Man. Oh well, Dylan can. What? It, what? Wait, was that that was? Yeah, one, right? that's What's the name called? of his album. I'm assuming that. What's it called? Measure of a Man. Measure oh. of a Man. Okay. So, so this is written like he's touring with like the American Idol tour, and he's just like talking about how famous he is now and how crazy it is, coming from you know small town. It is interesting because now like, is he that famous now? No. 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 It is. I'm showing these guys. The font and spacing <laughs> is pretty big, um, and the chapters are very short, and there are pictures, and it definitely felt like he had to read a reach a page count yeah um and he had the help of writer allison glock to help him reach that page count there's one chapter where he goes through and names everyone in his family <laughs> like this is my uncle this person has this many kids this is jay aiken this is <laughs> o'shea aiken yeah um so it definitely feels you know like they were trying to fill it up with interesting tidbits interesting in quotes <laughs> he does talk about you know growing up and he did have a difficult childhood his father was alcoholic and abusive um and then his mother left him and then his stepfather preferred his biological son to clay Aiken, um and Clay Aiken was also bullied for being effeminate and for being also religious and like not drinking and those kinds of things. He ended up fitting in in school finally, but when he joined the uh, choir and people heard how great he could sing and then they were like, oh, cool, this guy's cool. And he started <laughs> to be in plays. And then he went to college and studied uh, special education and was an education an education educator. He, he was a special he was education ed- educator. He was a special education teacher, and then he went on American Idol. Andrew, I bet I just ripped through all of your facts. You did a lot, though. It's <laughs> at odds with the information I found in some of the places. Ooh. Interesting. So it's it's a confusing book because it feels like um, his agent came in and was like Clay. We got to get you to write a book right now. We got to get your fans. Clay, baby. Clay, baby. We got to get your clay makers buying that book. That's the name of his fans. Claymakers? Yeah. I heard claymates. Yeah, they're called claymates. Oh, you're right. Claymates. We got to get your claymates. What claim- is a claymaker? My bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah, what is, I was like, is that a, is that a play on playmaker? As my in bad. like a sports thing? My bad. Clay, we got to get your claymates. That's the name of your fans to go buy this book. So you're just going to write it right now. And he's like, well, but I haven't even taken any time to reflect on my life. And like, does it matter? <laughs> so like, he's definitely still processing a lot of things. Goes back and forth between saying like, oh man, you know, singing is my joy. Like I love singing and also special education is my joy and I miss it. And I'm like, I don't know what to think here. (laughs) He talks a lot about his really close relationship with his mother who seems a little bit protective. Like it's a very close relationship with his mother. Um, This book sounds wild. It's a quick read. I'll say that. So like this is an example, page 30. I never smoked or drank, and I know that was because I could hear her, his mother, saying that those habits were nasty and weak, because if I were caught, I knew she would look down on me, and that was deterrent enough. I always wanted to make my mama happy. I don't know. I mean, Hmm. I get it. It does feel a little bit controlling. Here's the biggest thing I want to say about this book. (laughs) Five stars? 
The biggest thing I want to say is five stars. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the turn. How can but, I, despite all this... How can I say this? Okay, I'm just going to say it. He wrote this book when he was still in the closet. Yeah. So there is a chapter about all of the girls in his life that he's, quote, dated. It clearly felt like the agent, again, was like, you got to put in a chapter for your fans, man, to make them think they got a chance. Can we call him a Clayton? Clayton. <laughs> so page 110, he says... Looking back now, I realized that I had a serious crush on her. But as a kid, she was just this girl who smelled nice and whom I saw every day. So it just felt like they were like, there was really no girls that you liked. And they were like, well, this one girl. Smelled nice. I just wish more for, I want more for Clay. Like I wanted to. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, I think probably this book would have been far more interesting. Like the thing that I know about Clay Aiken is that he was involved with American Idol and he came out and it was a big deal. Yeah, because he comes from this like religious small yeah. community. That's the what I wanted to read, the coming out yeah. memoir. Yeah. I wonder if there I wonder if that book exists. I don't know, but it should because this one is like <laughs> Learning to sing again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's the book I would have rather read. This one just felt very it felt like he was putting on a costume. Yeah, well it's a, it's all PR yeah. fluff. Like it's I, I think we're all we can all say we're happy for Clay that maybe he's not living this life depicted by this book anymore. Exactly. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, Clay. I hope that you you know are more yourself now. And I think I, I do. I and I think it almost goes without saying we are not in any way ridiculing someone who's like in the closet or anything like that. No, not like, at all. It's, it's just, just frustrating to read when yeah. it feels like he's being disingenuous to himself. I yeah. want him to be. I want him to be himself. But I'm sure that Clay Aiken had four hours of interviews to do with this book. And then Allison Clock was like, I'm going to take this and turn it into a book. Yeah. So all that said, I was going between <laughs> one and two stars. <laughs> but I decided that it's, I mean, it's not total trash. So I felt like I couldn't give it one. You wouldn't throw it in the incinerator hole at the main dump. So yeah. So I'm ultimately giving it two stars. Feeling a little bad. I feel like, you know, Clay, give, give it another try. Let's let's hear the real clay. What I'm hearing is that if we manage to find the autobiography that he did after he came out, you will read it. Oh, no. <laughs> yep, that's what I heard. That's what I hear <laughs> in my ears. <laughs> All right, so that's Clay Aiken. Andrew, did you like, get any other facts about Aiken. him? That's his weird autobiography. That's his weird book. Well, it's both. All right, so Clay Aiken was born Clayton Holmes Grissom on uh, November 30th, 1978 in Raleigh, North Carolina. He grew up in North Carolina and sang in numerous choirs, bands. Uh, he was in theatrical productions, and he sang regularly uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes to sing their national anthem, which is pretty Andrew, cool. Andrew, I'm so sorry. I have to interrupt just to say that that is all true, and I know it because in the back of the book, there is a Clay Aiken resume that lists every choir and every performance he was ever in as a child please a resicle please continue <laughs> please continue andrew he started working as a young man with the ymca um, and he developed a passion for working with children with learning disabilities and he went to school at unc charlotte to become a special ed teacher none of this is a surprise based on bailey's review we'll get to that stuff later yeah all um, that's in the book yeah while he eventually would finish his coursework his studies were interrupted by a little show we like to call american idol <laughs> heard of it uh, he became a national sensation. He was incredibly popular. He actually, and I don't know if you remember this or if it's in the book, um, but he was eliminated from American Idol, but was voted back on by like a fan <laughs> poll because they could bring back someone that they liked to rejoin the competition as a wild card. So he was brought back on, gained a huge following. 
And he ultimately uh, finished in second to Ruben Stoddard, though this is actually controversial, I found. Apparently, there's some question about whether the voting system could actually handle the volume of calls. So some claymates insist that enough people called, but they just couldn't record their votes. Did he win the popular vote by several million? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the... uh, And people from American Idol have sort of said this is maybe possible, but come on, give it to Ruben. I mean, guys, we all know the Electoral Singing College is a terrible system. While he ended up losing, he had a rabid fan base leaving American Idol. And this is when the people who were leaving American Idol were far more popular than the ones who are winning now are. Um, This popularity resulted in many albums, tours, and uh, special events. He's also appeared on SNL, in The Office as himself, and in 30 Rock as himself. Um, And in this fiction, he's actually Kenneth Parcell's cousin. Um, (laughs) That makes sense. And he played himself in an episode of Law & Order SVU as a judge of a singing competition. His co-judges were Ashanti and Taylor Hicks. Oh, that sentence took so many wild turns. (laughs) I know. You know what? Good for his agent. His agent is getting him work. Yeah. Honestly, Honestly, I was surprised you guys were ragging on him because he has been doing things relatively recently. Um, He's done many musicals in his career and as well as in his early life. Uh, Most notably, he was in Spamalot on Broadway as Sir Robin in 2008 and 09. Uh, He does have his caricature uh, at Sardi's Restaurant. Yes, it is good casting, Bailey. (laughs) And he has appeared on Broadway again as recently as 2018. Clay Aiken and Ruben Stoddard starred in Clay's first annual family fun pageant spectacular reunion Christmas show on Broadway. How does Ruben feel about not being part of the title? <laughs> An inspirational oh, story by Alison Glock. Let me say that again. Let me get it correct. Ruben and Clay's first annual family fun pageant spectacular <laughs> reunion Christmas show on Broadway. That's even better because Ruben is first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in 2014, he ran for the U.S. House of Representatives for North Carolina. While he won the Democratic primary, he lost to the incumbent Republican. Uh, he came out in an interview with People Magazine in 2008 and has worked with Glisten, even testifying to Congress on the matter of anti-gay bullying. Now, you were talking about how there were twists and turns in earlier sentences. Did you expect him to have run for the U.S. House of Representatives? No. Do you expect him to have to have testified to Congress? No. Somehow, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he has a charity called the National Inclusion Project, which is promoting, which is, and this is using their language, uh, dedicated to promoting the inclusion of children with disabilities in activities with their non-disabled peers. He continues to make many public appearances and do work. Most often, he does that to raise money for the National Inclusion Project. And he has a son named Parker, who was born in 2008. Oh. He sounds like a great dude. You know, that, that's the thing is he's not a bad dude. And yeah, that's no. why I the memoir is disappointing. So, yeah. So five stars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bump that up again. Get it up to How many stars would you give Clay Aiken the person? I mean, I think I need to listen to more of his music because I honestly can't even remember his voice right now. I give him infinite potential stars. All right. He sounds okay. like a great guy. I give him five stars. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for those facts, Andrew. That was a really good, very well-researched, Andrew. Good job. Thank you. It was fun because the possibilities were truly <laughs> endless on it. You truly didn't know what the next sentence you're going to read was going to be. Yeah, that's a reminder to listeners that uh, you should probably register to vote because you could have Clay Aiken as your congressman. Yeah, if you're a North Carolina listener. You know, it could be worse. Write him in. No does way. He, does he run every year? No, um, he hasn't run since 2014. Please do your research and re- vote for the candidate you actually prefer. Don't just write in Clay Aiken. And, the, and that Republican incumbent, Ruben Stoddard. <laughs> um, thank you for those facts. And You're welcome. Thank, thank you for having me read this book. I feel, you know, very accomplished. It's off your shelf. It's off my shelf. Yeah. One down. 
Into I, the dump it goes. Yeah, yeah, into the fire, but it goes. Remind me, the other ones we have are like a cat veterinary, like a cat illness book. There is Encyclopedia of Some Diseases of Cats, which yes. is literally the title. That's the one that I Break, remember. Breakthrough on the New Skis <laughs> and Discovering Your Past Lives. Uh, shotgun Discovering on Your Past Lives, by the way. If I have to read one of these, I'm taking that one. I think I'm going to, I call Breakthrough on the New Skis. Well, Dylan, Dylan has, has to read, to read the read cat diseases. Oh, no. <laughs> Andrew, do you have a game for us? I think us? our baby has whisker rot. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Andrew, do you have a game for us? I do, I do. This week's game is called Singing in the Street. The way this is going to work is I've compiled a list of names, which is either um, the last name of a finalist, and it's crucial, just a finalist of a season of This, Amer- of this American Idol. This American Life. <laughs> <laughs> Today? Welcome to This American Idol. I'm Ira Cowell. <laughs> uh, sorry. Of American Idol. Or the name of a street in Los Angeles. Well, we should or... kill it. Oh. <laughs> Both. <gasps> That's right. I love the season with La Cienega. She was my favorite. Johnny Coenga. <laughs> I'll tell you, the 405 South could really sing, but they didn't have any personality. <laughs> It is going to be a simple buzz-in. Um, we won't take turns or anything like that. You'll buzz in by saying Clay Aiken. The twist in this week's game is if you get it wrong, the person who has not had a chance yet does have an opportunity to steal. So remember, the buzz-in word is Clay Aiken. All right. Okay. Phillips. Ruben Stoddard. I, uh, Clay Aiken. Sorry, I, I, okay. Yes, Toby. I was I just say, being silly. <laughs> I will say both. Bailey, would you like to steal? Oh. Yes, I think it's just a last name. Of what? American Idol. Of American Idol winners of season 11, Philip Phillips? That's correct. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yes. Correct. Again, we're looking for American Idol, street or both. So mm-hmm. just last name is not an acceptable answer. Fair <laughs> enough. But Fair you enough. do have one. You do get one point. Okay. Mm. Um, Reyes. Kelly Clarkson. Hourglass. Hourglass. <laughs> uh, fine. Um, uh, what's it called? Clay Aiken. <laughs> you just read his whole book. <laughs> Yes, Bailey? Uh, both. Toby, would you like to steal? <gasps> uh, I'll say American Idol. That is incorrect. The point oh. is off the board. It is only a street in Los Angeles. Clarkson. Uh, Clay Clay uh, Toby was first? Uh, it's American Idol. Oh, wait. You already said it. I already said it. You already it. said it. Bailey, would you like to steal? No. Both. No. That is correct. Kelly hey. Clarkson, season one, number one. Are Take you going to give us the specifics Justin. of where the <laughs> where the street is? It's in front of her house. She changed the street name. Underwood. Uh, me. No. You no, know, Clay Aiken. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, you get to go. Uh, Underwood. I'm going to say both. Bailey, would you like to steal? Uh, well, it's just C- Carrie Underwood, so... Uh, last name, American Idol. Bailey, get it right. So Bailey's winning three to nothing right now. <laughs> All right. Hicks. Clay Aiken. Bailey? Uh, American Idol. Toby, would you like to steal? <gasps> Street. No, Taylor Hicks is one. Soul Patrol. Both. <laughs> no, you, you always said it. No, okay, Toby, you again have got it wrong. <laughs> there is a Hicks Avenue in Los Angeles, and Taylor Hicks is the winner of season five of American Idol. Shame. Oh. I think I know more about American Idol than I thought I did. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bice. Clay Aiken. Toby. Street. Would you like to steal, Bailey? Oh, my. Oh, gosh. I don't. Last name, uh, American Idol? That is correct. Oh. Bo Bice, Bo Bice was the runner-up of season four. Oh, Dylan knew Bailey, that Bailey, you're one. at four points. 
And Toby, you are at a grand total of zero, but there are still four, more than four points on the All board, right. so you can eventually go. get I it. I got this. <laughs> You're going to run away with it. Lancaster. Clay again. Toby. Both. Bailey, would you like to steal? Oh, man. Um, L.A. That is correct. Bailey, oh. you have, I think, technically won, but let's speed round this, guys. All right. So first okay. of all, let's have a moment. Congratulations, Bailey. You have won the game. Yeah, but you know, sometimes being the winner, like the second place person is more remembered. So. I didn't want to flood Bailey's brain with cortisol because it's bad for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's just do a speed round here. You don't have to buzz in. You can just yell what you first think. Okay. Guarini. Street. No. <laughs> uh, last name. <laughs> yeah, Justin Guarini. <laughs> Kelly and Justin. Sorry. <laughs> London. Both. That is correct, Toby. Latoya London. Fourth place, season three. Hudson. <laughs> oh, me. Uh, Clay Aiken. Jennifer Hudson. That is correct. Seventh place, season three. Velasco. LA. Both. Uh, both is correct. And that concludes our game. Bailey has run away with it. Congratulations. Uh, I don't uh, think you guys actually... I think you got most of your points from just sort of stealing from Toby. <laughs> so I don't know if this reflects better on you or t- or badly on Toby, but we'll see. Well, thank you for that game, Andrew. That was fun. You're welcome. And it was my last game, guys, before I give birth to a child. That's the last game you'll play <laughs> of any sort. So we don't have a choosing for me. But we have Toby needs a book chosen at random from his shelf. Toby's choosing. It is. The, the choosing. The choosing, <laughs> just for Toby. And Toby, you have number 66, Wild Seed by Octavia E. Butler. Octavia E. Butler. Nice. Yeah, I am really amped. I This is fortuitous. I have been wanting to read some Octavia Butler for a while now. She is a glaring omission in my sci-fi uh, fantasy repertoire. And yeah, I'm really excited for this book. I've never read her either. I would like to read her. No, Bailey, no more books. Um, <laughs> so, listeners... We were going to, for our last minisode before uh, parental leave, have Dylan do his last cupboard under the stairs and finish Harry Potter book seven. Here's the thing. J.K. Rowling has come out with statements that are basically, she's basically a garbage person. And (laughs) we don't want to support her in any way right now. So we are not going to be doing that episode. um, And we're not going to be promoting her at this time. And we would like to explicitly state that we support and stand by the trans community. Exactly. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. (laughs) Non-binary people people exist. Exactly. And Dylan was right about not finishing Harry Potter. I think we should also go with that. (laughs) I literally said... Dylan, don't try to make this your moment. I literally (laughs) said when I started doing this is that the reason I never finished the Harry Potter um, books was I didn't like the fact that it was very trans-exclusionary. And I... kind of new thought this about jk raleigh that's why i never finished no, it you didn't you Edit point. did not <laughs> um with that said we'd love to recommend some trans authors for you to amplify their voices in lieu of reading harry potter you could read work by charlie jane anders who does awesome fantasy uh alex gino does great uh, middle grade ya stuff sarah mcbride does great activism related nonfiction. um and andrew you had some plays to recommend right i have a couple yeah um i would just want to recommend the work of olivia dufo um and agnes barinsky uh olivia has written many plays uh You can search them out. Some highlights are The Year of the Rooster, For Want of a Horse, The Tomb of King Tot, 
all of those I recommend. Uh, she also writes for a lot of television shows that you might have already seen, so you might have already been enjoying uh, Olivia's writing. And then Agnes's work, Ding Dong, It's the Ocean. And um, I love that title. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great play. Um, and The Witches. Um, and Agnes actually also has a YA book called Sasha Masha. Awesome. Definitely. And I'll just second Charlie Jane Anders, great author. I really enjoyed All the Birds in the Sky. Really mm-hmm. fun borderline YA uh, fantasy more adult it kind of blurs the lines but I really enjoyed it yeah I would say it airs more on the adult I don't know hard to say yeah but um, yeah so boo JK Rowling and yay um, trans community trans community and happy pride month so in lieu of that covered under the stairs episode our last minisode is going to celebrate pride by talking about LGBTQIA plus characters um, and some of our favorite characters and authors from the queer community so tune in next week to hear that so so then you know since i won't be here in two weeks toby why don't you tell us what's coming up in two weeks in two weeks i'll be reading uh, wild seed by octavia butler and angel will be reading what is the what by dave eggers i can't wait to listen in to you guys it'll be interesting and fun yes you look nervous i am nervous <laughs> <laughs> uh, and listeners just to reiterate uh toby and i are doing the first one just the two of us we are looking into getting some guest hosts down the line so that we can get a variety of voices and so that it's just not us talking to each other the whole time uh but the first one will just be us and we're excited to uh keep making these for you thanks for listening to the to read list if you'd like to get in contact with us you can email the to read list podcast at gmail.com follow us on goodreads at goodreads.com slash the to read list podcast we're on facebook and instagram at the to read list podcast and on twitter at to read list pod And if you like what you've heard, uh, please take a moment and rate us five stars and leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, It is really helpful. It it boosts us up the charts and makes us a little more visible. We'd really like it if you did. So please. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, um, please tell somebody you know who enjoys books, uh, who enjoys reading, and who enjoys podcasts. I mean, if they enjoy those three things, it's a shoe in They're going to like it. And uh, and yeah, you'll look cool to a degree. (laughs) <laughs> uh, thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me to Dylan for sound recording and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for composing our intro song see you next week happy reading books books books, books, books. books. Clay Aiken <laughs> <laughs>